actually, we'll just go back a bit. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. I don't know if you've ever actually told me this. What got you to where you were like, I want to be a musician? When did that start? I feel like I've like... Like so many different people have asked me this, and I have well, like I've never asked no, no, you. like in a way that it's like it's such a funny story to me that like right when you started the question, I was like, I think I know where this is going, and like so many of the parents of the students that I teach music to will ask me this, and it's funny to like have the kid there when I give this answer because I'm like, I got grounded, and I had like a little like wait, what's what's the language content on this? How how Let far can I get? Okay, it wasn't gonna be bad. I was just gonna say I had this you know like little whatever like shitty. $90 electric guitar and an amp and um I got grounded and you know for me it was pretty much you know can't go outside I think maybe I couldn't watch tv probably this is musicians can thrive a podcast community for anyone seeking to make money in the music industry musicians audio engineers managers producers booking agents everyone across all niches Welcome. My name is Gabrielle. I'm a singer-songwriter. These stories are for you. I hope they'll help you find new ways to thrive as a musician. I just had this guitar and I was like, well, this is kind of like literally all I have. Um, I'm going to go for it, and I just kind of started messing around with it, and I think, I don't know what I did, but I think I was grounded for probably about two weeks, and two weeks came rolling around, and my dad was like, okay, you're ungrounded, and I would just, like, have this mental picture of myself just kind of, like, playing guitar and, like, looking up and being like, oh, shit, like, I, I kind of forgot that I was grounded just because I <laughs> was, like, doing it, and I don't ever, like, remember at the beginning being, like, obsessed with it. I was just like, oh, this is cool. It's something different. Maybe it was like deep down, I felt like I was actually kind of like, like having to work and think about something that was, you know, not just being in like school. Yeah. But yeah, I did that. And um, I think I was probably like, maybe like 10 or 11. So not like super young. And I just kind of started doing that. My dad played bass. And so there was always music in the house, but I don't really like, I really enjoyed listening to it. And I just don't think for the first, like, few years of my life, I really, like, thought about it. Um, and then as I got to, you know, ages probably, like, even, like, eight or nine, where I actually started, like, being, like, oh, I recognize this song. And, like, I know the words and all this different stuff. It's kind of, like, I started to get into it. And my dad listened to a bunch of 70s rock and roll. So, like, I was just, like, learning all these bands, like, kind of all the stuff you want to have as your upbringing for being, like, a rock and roll guitar player. And so I had all that and just remember listening to like kind of like weird stuff. My dad was like the Sunday morning jazz guy too. So like, you know, <laughs> he just like, if I was like being lazy and sleeping in, he just like crank the jazz, but it was like super like a beat modern dad jazz, like watercolors radio. And I would just be like, holy shit, turn this <laughs> off. <laughs> I met Nate West entirely by chance, through a mutual friend we had at the time. I was working on an EP, and at first, he was brought on to help with some of the guitar tracks and drums. He ended up being the one to produce the record, with the head engineer and co-founder of Solana Studios, Ben Barron. Nate is an incredibly talented musician, and the kind of person that building a community comes easily to. 
whether producing, playing in bands, co-writing songs, or any number of things a musician might need help with. He's a powerful facilitator who can help you level up. I actually, I did a music camp during the summers, probably starting in like 2009. And um, you would meet up with a bunch of musicians at this camp during summer and spend like four weeks. You would learn four or five songs and they had a studio and you'd go record something. And then at the end of the session, you would go play somewhere. And um, so I met uh, my buddy Max there and um, we ended up we I think we started a band just to play at our friend's CD release party. We just like, <laughs> you really want to do it? And he's like, dude, we're like, like you're cool and I'm cool. Like, <laughs> let's play in a band together. And I was like, dude, hell yeah. And so I remember going to practice and we jammed. Max was like 12 at the time. And he like he was a few years younger than me. And he was just the most, here I can use the use the adult content. He was the most ma- like badass motherfucker I had met. I was like, dude, you're 12 and you're cool as shit. You drum harder than anybody I know. And so, yeah, Max ended up being the drummer for my band up until 2017, early 2017. Damn. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, me and Max became really good. And like, that's one of my favorite things about being in a band that long with somebody was me and him were the two people that like we played in a band from that point. I think it was like 2012 to like maybe 2016 or 2017. It was like a huge chunk of time to be playing with somebody. So like towards the end of that, we'd be playing shows and like, I mean, just don't have to look at each other. Like we would songwrite and be like, dude, you know what I'm thinking here? And he would just like play it. And I'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's (laughs) cool. All right. Yeah. And we could just like, you know, stop songs, star songs, like just like nobody's business. And it was probably one of the nicest feelings of like being in a band. It's just that like, It was always fluid, but it was so tight. of the band that Nate started with Max. It was called Skyline. They made one record, and this is my all-time favorite song of theirs, Drag Down. Skyline's time came to a close in 2017 when the band parted ways. When did you know, or maybe there wasn't a specific moment, but at some point you figured out you can make money as a musician and like make a career out of it. Did you ever have this moment? There are a lot of key moments that I like through the course of from when I started playing music to now that I appreciate and consider like peaks of certain times. And then, you know, as far as the the money thing, <laughs> um, yeah, the laugh is... Um, I really, I keep wanting to say I don't make money and like, it's true, but I think the reason I'm hesitant is because it crosses my mind less times than you would think. The only times it comes up are when I wanted to do things for the band. 
I was never really like, oh, I need this gear or anything. Like there were always ways of getting, you know, if I really needed something, like especially if something broke or got damaged, um, just, you know, being a good person, being friends with people and having, having a good group of friends that, you know, could help out or fix something. Um, but yeah, you know, I, when I was actually in a band full time, I, or not full time, but you know, when I was playing, you know, at least once a week and, and going out of town and everything, um, all the money was going towards the band and, you know, we would split tips or something just, you know, if we, wanted to <laughs> um yeah. we all had jobs and that's kind of the thing like I have so much respect for the people that are full-time musicians but at the same time I find it pretty easy to manage different parts of my life and you know it's not always easy for everyone but like I have two jobs right now and I also am running a studio and managing bands and it's you know just kind of you you find time for what you need to do there you know there are only so many hours in the day like everybody says but it's like you know you can use all 24 of those hours if you need to. Yeah. And you just kind of got to make the commitment. But like there are a bunch of peak things, you know, you start to play shows and the first time you play in front of a hundred or more people, like you're kind of losing your shit. If you've been playing shows for like, you know, eight months or something with your band, you're hitting whatever five, 700 likes on Facebook and stuff. And you're getting stuff done. It's like you, you still have to there. It's like a, an oversized staircase. Like you're just kind of traveling on this one thing, thinking you're following your direction and suddenly there's a wall and you're like, Oh shit, I kind of got to bump it up a little bit. And you start playing bigger shows and you know, somebody, it's kind of like all the classic things you could think of, like somebody's singing your lyrics, like at the song and you're like, Holy shit, you took the time out of your day to like, listen to this. And you know, if odds are, if you're singing along to it, it's either really catchy or it actually resonates with you. Sometimes it's both. And so um, there's that. And then they're just like, not not anything I feel like if I sat here and thought about it there could be a more specific times but just a lot of times where you're like this is cool as shit like not oh my god I'm playing in front of a bunch of people or anything just like you're up there and you're having a blast like it, it goes to show that you play a 45 minute set and it feels like it's like 20 minutes it's not until you play like an hour and a half that you're like oh I actually played for at least an hour because time just goes by and you're you know you feel like you're busting through it in those moments where you actually slow down and stop and you like look at your bandmates, you're like, Oh my God, like these are the dudes that I just had tacos with like two seconds ago or whatever. And like, you're up there and it's just, you know, it's seeing your friends in different settings where you just like have to be reminded. You're like, Holy shit, you're badass!" And like, you don't have to say anything cause you're in the middle of this crazy jam and everybody knows that everybody on that stage is a true motherfucker. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So at some point you did decide, though, that you wanted to be a musician and that was what you wanted to pursue or at least work with music in some way or another for a long time. Probably in middle school, you know, like I was interested in music in elementary school and then middle school is when you actually have an opportunity to like take music classes, which I didn't actually know anything like I think I had just started doing that like music summer camp thing that summer right before middle school, probably something like that. And so, um, if you actually got to learn about music and like, I, I really appreciate music class and I didn't, I think I left my junior year just because kind of, I was playing music in bands by then and just not seeing eye to eye with directors on certain things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, it was, 
some point, it was definitely, I would say, let's say 2013, because 2012 was when I actually started like pushing to play music as much as I could. I was probably like 15 or something. So I don't even, I don't think I was driving it. But so, you <laughs> yeah. know, probably once I could drive, it was like, shit, yeah, I can do this as much as I want. I can go practice as much as I want. And I guess it was the freedom of being able to do that, that I was like, I can do this. And it was something that I don't want to say I never thought I was like good at this. You know, I, I, you play shows and people tell you that you're good and you know, that's enough confirmation to be like, okay, I'm not yeah. horrible. <laughs> um, I'm still doing it and I don't think I suck. Um, but sometime in there when I was just, you know, kind of those moments before where you're playing and you're just like, holy shit, this is exhilarating. I, you know, not even on drugs. And you're like, I feel like I'm high right now just because like, this is a blast. And there are certain things that, you know, it's kind of like a roller coaster or something. You just like adrenaline's pumping. And like, whenever I would get off stage, I would like, people would come up to me and I would literally just like, I would put my guitar down and be putting pedals away and my hands would just be shaking. And like, I would be like, holy shit, I have to like calm down in a second. And I would just, you know, tell people like, you know, how, you know, I appreciate everything they're saying. And I was like, just give me one second. Let me get everything off. And it was, you know, a couple minutes before I could get off stage and be like, okay, I've caught my breath. Slow down a little bit. <laughs> I'm Nate. How can I help you? <laughs> so glad I'm not the only one that's like that. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, you see like Beyonce or Rihanna going up there and just like dancing like crazy, singing their ass off. And you're like, Oh my God, like I can't run two miles without being totally winded. (laughs) You're doing something like nine times harder in heels. And so it's like playing music. You're like, I'm trying to do a lot of stuff, trying not to get tangled in my guitar cable, trying not to hit anybody in the head with my guitar, get hit in the head by somebody. Um, You know, trying not to accidentally stand behind somebody or be stood in front of. Um, you know, not trip over your amp, stuff like oh, that, yeah. that, um, you're just focusing on. But at the same time, it's funny, as I say that I have people that, you know, like, you're like, bro, I wonder what that guy's thinking. Like, as he's ripping that solo, I was like, so many times I was in the middle of a show and just being like, what am I going to have for dinner when I get home? <laughs> or like, you know, those awkward times where you're like, fuck, I didn't have to pee before we started, but we're five minutes in and I have to pee like nobody's business. <laughs> I'm getting all hot and like dehydrated and have to drink water, you know, whatever. And you're just like, damn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was just some point in there, you know, and then you just start hitting all these different things. Like you make a record and you're like, holy shit, I have to do this for the rest of my life. Like that is the definitely the peak thing. Like taking photographs is cool, but people are going to take pictures of your whole life. Like that's fine. You know, even something like hearing your own voice when people that aren't musicians, you know, hear your own voice you're like holy shit that's crazy (laughs) and you're like i mean everybody their first thought is oh my god do i sound like that (laughs) you're like yep (laughs) i listen to that every day um but no i just um some point in there i was like this is what i have to do i have to create and i would just i always listen to music it's just um is addicting and it was fun and there's so many aspects of meeting all these people and like whenever i talk to people i'm like yeah i want to be famous but for the sole purpose of I want to be able to travel around the world, meet all these different people, see how they live, try all these different foods, which is super important for me. And, um, you know, see, not see what the problems are in the place, but just see what it's like, see how different it is, see what architecturally things are different, what the weather's like, what the wildlife is like. And just that's 
a great way to go around the world. And I feel like the, um, the, the way that I try to go about things is so open and friendly and everybody just being a community and helping each other and caring about each other, like doing things because they believe in each other, that that's kind of the best way, whatever you do within the confines of those lines, that's the best way to go around the world and like ensure that you have a place and everywhere to go around the world another time. Recording with Frenchie or South by Southwest showcase came first. Um, I record. We recorded with Frenchie in December, so at the end of the year. So, um, my band Skyline. I think it was December twenty sixteen. Um, we had done South by for like the past three, two or three years before that. So, did you play in South by because you just? submitted yourself or did you have like an agent or booking um, manager that so would help? we we submitted ourselves, i believe every year and um it's really like i don't want to say that hard work pays off but it's just one of those things like you're hustling and you're meeting people and you're meeting venues there's so many ways to get into south by like you can apply for the official but literally i mean i want to say most of everybody's shows that they're playing are unofficial showcases yeah and i mean like that's where you play with, I feel like cool bands that have, I don't want to say a more consistent following, but a more like homegrown following. And, um, so with that, it's just, we would do the unofficial stuff and the, excuse me. Um, the great thing about South by is that everybody's walking around so many places are outside that you get within earshot of something that you think is cool. You walk over there. And if you can't get in, you can see it and you can find out who the band is. And I found like one of my favorite bands, Thaddeus Anna Green, I, they're from Ohio, I believe. I hope that's not wrong. Um, they, I heard them playing behind Tom's on Congress. And we were walking back to the car. And I just started walking this way. And everyone's like, Nate, where are you going? And I was like, do you hear this? And they're like, <laughs> what? And, the, you know, there's a bunch of other bands playing. And I'm just walking across the street. And I'm like, we got to check this out. And they're playing, like, it's not a stage. They're on the same, like, standing at the same level as us. You know, no drum rise or anything. Just playing the coolest fucking rock and roll ever. And I was like, you guys are awesome i'm so happy that i am able to just walk up to this with my friends and be like you know less than five feet away from the singer and just like this is so cool (laughs) yeah Um, uh, but yeah so it's just kind of doing that and then you submit to south by and realistically you either there are a lot of people involved with that so there are ways to just be like hey so and so you um you know kind of what's going on can you help me you know it's nothing like push my application up or make sure anything happens it's just kind of revolving back to the being a good person and believing in other people and other people being like I believe in what you're doing like I've seen you play I've listened to your music and not only is it cool but like I felt like everything was real and um so you know, I, we had a, a friend who did that. And then we also had a bunch of venues that like, that's the thing people don't know. Venues will just be like, yo, so-and-so from wherever isn't showing up. You want to come play this showcase? We had, you know, probably at least five of those over the course of that's even badass. two years. Yeah. And venues that you would want to play. Um, and, you know, friends bands where, you know, people do put on their own South by showcases. Um, 
and you just start to the first year where that happens the next year is just progressively better we had um a geez i think they were a german blog um <laughs> great guys i wish i remember the names they were so sweet they went, came up to us after the show and they just told us how much they enjoyed it it was a, a man and a woman and they uh, they were so nice and they were asking if we had cards and i I was like, I, we just got rid of all the cards I think that we brought with us or whatever other bandmate around the corner had them. And um, all we had were these huge posters. I mean, okay, maybe they're like, you know, even if it's like two by one or something, like decent sized posters that you got to walk around with. But it had <laughs> all of our dates for the week and they're like, can we just have one of those? I was like, hell yeah. I don't want to carry this around. No, I'm just kidding. I was like, you guys are great. And then we played... I believe that show was right next to the Austin Visitor Center in this like field setup that they had. And then the okay, next yeah. the next year we were playing at a Velveeta Room and I think off Sixth Street and they um they showed up and immediately I was like, I mean, first off, I was like, I don't know a lot of German people. So you know, but yeah. also it is also South by when I met you guys last year. And uh the first year after they saw us, they wrote us up in like their uh recap of their south by and it was it was so cool and like for me i, I have mixed feelings about south by just because my birthday's in the middle of south by every year and i was like <laughs> i just want to go to dinner and do all the stuff i usually can do um but that's you know that's different and then um sorry uh, the more important part of that question was frenchie and um you're okay we, i want to hear about south by yeah no it was i mean it was a blast and it's one of the things i don't know i have a very strong feeling of you don't have to do everything and a lot of things is cool if you just do once um yeah south by i'm like go for it and go for it again the next year if you don't get anything play like play five shows in one south by or like you know something like that pretty much a show every day have a couple consistent ones and do that and that really puts into perspective what it's gonna be like and then if you want a like a lot of people's like good, like we got a lot of shit done. South by's are 11, like 11 or 12 shows a week, seven days, 11 or 12 shows. That's a lot. That's a few doubled up. Nikki Lane. When I went this year to South by she, mm-hmm. her last show of like the last day I caught it. And she was like, I feel like South by Southwest is an agility test. No, and I just lost it. I was like, like, this is great. How are your Tetris <laughs> skills? How small is your car to fit into these spots? And like, um, it's stressful. It's so, you know, some of your shows, you a lot X amount of time and you're like, we're going to make it and you get close. Um, and there's a lot of people. I mean, if you've never been to South by, it's ridiculous and it's great because there are people from all over the world and you can walk through and hear so many different, you know, different accents and everything. And you're just like, whoa, this is, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, but it is a madhouse. <laughs> Do you feel like it helped you build an audience around Austin? Like, what would be the benefit of doing South by? I mean, other it's than just, just it, the agility test. I mean, if you want, like, the, the like straight shot answer, the best thing about South by is there's so many damn people from all over the world and so many free things and so many things that if it's not free, you still walk by and it's outside. So guess what? It's free to your ears. And you're just like, this is some mad shit. This is cool. And you take a video, you send it to your friends, you put it online, you, you know, look them up, you like them. And it's that. I mean, like, if I could sum it up, there was playing a lot of venues that I otherwise wouldn't get a chance to play in. I played at Maggie Mays and they had this like the most ridiculous setup. It was like a three day, like a whole three day festival inside South by that they did there. And they had like 
it was catered and they would have like entirely different meals every like hour and a half. Damn. Like, and I would just go through and it would like one time there's a taco bar and you come in like two hours later, there's like a whole barbecue and you're just like, what is going on? <laughs> and the stage was, you know, great. And there was a bunch of people and it's just kind of stuff like that. You play with cool bands. We played with a band. Uh, I can't remember their, uh, the Jacks. I think it was J-A-C-Q-S. They were kind of a, a like alternative rock slightly punkish band from england That's they were dope. super cool and you know just stuff like even if it's uh i mean they were great guys but even if it was just like an open gesture you're like they're like hey if you're ever in england let us know and you need a place to crash or you want people at the show it's like hell yeah to offer for somebody that from a different country to just come over and be like hey you were cool enough to where like if you need something i got you and yeah. that's once again revolving around the whole like doing things for other people just because you care about them. You think they're cool and you believe in what they're about. I know that recording with Frenchie was a turning point in a lot of senses for kind of for the way I approach things, just another option for how I can approach the things that I want to get done. And um, I guess I can like my introduction is if you don't know Chris Frenchie Smith, um, he owns the bubble in Austin, Texas, and has recorded a slew of great people. Um, my favorite that he's done is Jet. Um, I think that might be the only record that he has hung in his studio for some reason. Um, I think <laughs> I asked him, but when I first, uh, one of my first guitars that I got, um, after I got into it was, um, like a Squire Telecaster was super cool. It was like a dark red rosewood and just a solid piece of wood. Like no, like a bit, like a, a very sanded feeling like lacquer. And it was nice. Um, but I remember going to the beach when I got it for Christmas. Cause my dad was like, best time to go to the beach is during winter when nobody else is there. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I remember sitting outside and learning, uh, I think it's she's a genius by jet off the Shaka rock album. Um, and, I was trying to learn that, you know, didn't have a phone to look up tabs. I was kind of a kid. And so I was just sounding it out by ear. And so when I found out that Frenchie did that record, we went in there, I brought that guitar with me. And most of the record that I tracked was through this um, Les Paul. I want to say it was a shit. I can't believe I remember so much of this. I think it was a, it was a Sunburst 2007 VOS reissue of a 1959 Les Paul, I think. And, um, we I recorded with that and I found out that's the guitar that was used for that and I kind of had this moment I was sure it's a picture of it but I took the guitars in both hand and like touched them together and like was like, the, <laughs> the circle is complete and uh I mean there was we also recorded through this uh this Fender Strat that had a uh Texas flag nice. like the whole body was painted like a Texas flag and the only other picture I've seen of that guitar was not the same guitar I don't think but with uh Kenny Wayne Shepherd which I thought was super cool the picture of me and Frenchie with that guitar, I looked very silly. I think I had, for some reason, a sweater on, which I never wear, and like still have my braces. <laughs> Crazy. But um, no, Frenchie is a evil genius, super creative, super open, probably one of the most in influential people I've met in my life. Definitely, without a doubt. Um, his dog, Agnes, is cool as fuck. Shout out, Agnes. Um, <laughs> and... There was just, 
I don't want to say it was the first time that I felt like somebody believed in me or anything, because that's ridiculous. But um, it was just, you know, the time that somebody put into being like, these are the things that you should be focused on. Also listen to everything that your ears are picking up and the different things that you're feeling as far as just how these are flowing, be it in the song itself or throughout the record. And um, it's funny, I, I guess, like I can say this now. It's um, so me and you worked on your record and, um, you know, there are times where I don't want to say we weren't seeing eye to eye, but like we weren't getting the results that we wanted. And yeah. um from Frenchie, I kind of learned that I'm like, you. I don't want to say you have to do whatever it takes to get the take, because that's not true at all. But it's like, if you know how people work and you understand the person you're working with, even if you don't, and you can just have a good sense of kind of how people take things, it can be risky, I guess. But it's like, you have to push people when you believe in them, not for any other reason. You know, it's like, I wouldn't just, you know, tell somebody on the street, like, hey, motherfucker, you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> But it's like, you know, different emotions bring out different things, even if it's like whatever. I don't know. You want a certain vocal tone and you got to get pissed off by seeing whatever it is or hearing something. Um, and that's, you know, that's not how it went down. But um, that's just an example. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just um, it kind of there are a lot of things that it I don't specifically pull certain things from, but just a broad sense of there's so many different ways to approach how you do things and how you get things done you believe in people and you know one of the things you I don't want to say people forget but is the contrasting ideas are one of the best things about music and if you disagree heavily on something with somebody that means that both of you give enough of a shit to defend the crap out of your side and if you can do that while also hearing out the other person and either come to a conclusion or I don't want to say sway somebody to agree with you but you know it's just like you find some sort of medium. Yeah, point. and in a band, the thing is definitely, let's try it once, for sure. No doubt, like, you never know what something's going to sound like compared to your head. Um, you know, always try something once. No bad ideas, just be like, hey, I will give it a shot. And so many times I've done that, and you're just like, dude, that sounded sick. I didn't think it was going to sound that awesome at all. <laughs> um, but so yeah, how no- did you get to record with Frenchie? Um paid him (laughs) no i'm kidding i'm kidding uh no we uh did you just look up bubble studio no we were looking at we were looking up studios we had heard about frenchie through our friends in residual kid um shout out devin ben and max um and their stuff always sounded great they were cool dudes and their live show was fucking insane um and we heard about him and the two studios we were looking at were the bubble in Austin where Frenchie records and then yellow dog studios in damn, I don't know. Wimberley driftwood. I hope one of those is right. Somewhere outside. Of Austin. Uh, yeah. In the hill country, beautiful place. When we first visited, I mean, they have a insane drum room and a living quarters and a huge kitchen. And when we pulled up, you know, hill country backed up to a Creek bed and, um, Oof deer all in the yard you know like just 20 deer in the yard and we pull up like not even scared like we just drove by and they just like looked at us like what are you doing um and you know it was it was awesome the studio was great and if i ever you know have a chance to work in there again i would gladly love to um i don't remember the producer's name off the top of my head um i bet i could if i really thought 
Um, anyways, <laughs> um, but um, I don't necessarily remember why we chose. I think we chose Frenchie more because we met him. We liked the Yellow Dog Studio was very, the vibe was very chill and warm, which is great. But the vibe with Frenchie was a little more exciting and a little more aggressive in a good way. And um, a little more, you know, let's get this shit done, motherfuckers. Um, And so we went with that and, you know, had Frenchie come into a lot of our um, rehearsals and come to shows and, you know, not only tell us what he thinks about the songs as far as record wise, but also as far as just even songs that we weren't going to record. He was like, hey. I don't think that really needs to be on the record, but that shit was tight. And, you know, it's just kind of like what it is. And we took everything he had, not like we did everything he said, but we, you know, took everything he told us in consideration of the fact that he gives a shit about us. He's great. And he thinks we're great. And when somebody who's awesome tells you you're fucking awesome, it's hard to disagree. Yeah. It really is. Like, I know there's like a lot of self-deprecation, but it's like, Bro, somebody you're like look up to is like y'all have it going on and your stuff is sweet people shake their ass to it you're like fuck okay not gonna say no <laughs> um, but yeah um it was just that and I talked to Frenchie and Frenchie kind of has a similar view if he's like I you know I'm not necessarily gonna record somebody that I don't want to record it kind of yeah. sounds ridiculous but you know there's an aspect of we draw the line as far as you know, you could just get paid to record whatever, but at some point you do spend a lot of time together to record a record. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so like, you got to enjoy the people you're around and, you know, at least tolerate them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, and then got in with that and we're able to play, uh, he had his South by showcase at Guero's, which it was like a shorter set time, like 25 minutes compared to like 45 or something, but enough to, the sound was phenomenal and there's so many different people and it was open up to the, to the public and you know great foot traffic and Guero's is a great place you know for people especially coming in from out of town so um there's just a lot of things you know we got a call one day um hey it this time turn on the fucking radio you there's no way we didn't know what was going on we're all just shitting our pants in anticipation <laughs> of the fact that we're about to be on the radio which after you record a record which is the coolest shit ever hearing yourself on the radio you're like oh my god guaranteed you ever get on the radio you're gonna get in your car and you're gonna turn that shit up as loud as possible and you're gonna drive through wherever you know the most people are the most people you give a shit about are (laughs) and bump that shit (laughs) so what radio station was it KLBJ I believe it was KLBJ alright I would I, I want to say I would bet money. Remember when you're like, what about making money? And I was like, yeah, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. But uh, so, you know, it's just kind of like, I feel like whatever producer you work with should give a shit about what happens after the record, you know, I'm yeah. sure some people don't, but it's kind of like, you know, Hey, I just spent a bunch of time as much as the band did, you know, not writing stuff, but as much time in that process of giving a shit, thinking about it, listening to it more than the band has listened to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great experience. Great dude. If you like hearing stories about different paths that musicians are taking to build a life where they can thrive, it would mean the world if you left a review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe anywhere you prefer to listen to your podcasts 
and you'll get the next episode ready to listen as soon as it's released. If you guys were trying to get certain shows, having a record definitely helps. But other than that, I mean, you talk about trying to take things to the next level. Was there like a significant thing after making that record with Frenchie where you really felt like you were, I guess, killing it? For lack of a better word. Um, I mean, it's funny because the bands that I've been working with lately when we're discussing, you know, how you start booking shows at different places and certain venues without actually having a huge following, which, you know, if you're in a band out there, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. It doesn't matter if you're famous or not. You've been there where you're like, hey, we have awesome stuff, but nobody wants to, like, you know, give it a shot. It's not that nobody doesn't want to listen to it. Nobody knows it's going on. Yeah. Uh, so, in a sense, you spend enough time at shows, you meet bands, and I think the times we were most busy, or we were busiest, um, was when we had played enough shows at different places in different cities to have people just want to play with us. That's so cool when people are just like, yo, we're playing at Stubbs, we're playing at Antos, we're playing at Threadgills. Like, if, like, you know, cool places like that where you're just like, we want you to play. You're like, holy shit, I've been trying to book a Stubbs for three months. And they're like, meh. And then you're just <laughs> like, hey, you want to do this? And I'm like, I just got to say yes. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, e- yes. <laughs> um, and so, you know, that, and upon saying that, that happens with bands that I've worked with. Like, just the other week, it kind of happened. And it's just like, that's how things work. You, that's a collaborative effort, even if somebody, you know, doesn't know who they're booking or whatever it is. Um, but it's, it's, you know, go to the shows, be interested and, you know, don't fake being interested, have a fucking good time. Let go, yeah. listen to the music. You know, there's so many times I've listened to bands and I'm like, I don't really like bluegrass. And you're sitting there you're like, holy shit, you guys shred harder than I could ever shred in my life. And you just <laughs> act like it's the easiest thing in the world. And you're probably thinking about, yeah, I'm going to, what am I going to have for dinner later? <laughs> Having a record's important. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I, there, I had so many thoughts about the question. So I was like, I was trying to remember what the base one was. Cause I was like, there are a lot of things that you started to say that. And I thought you'd be like, is having a record important? I was like, ah, so important. <laughs> like it's all the stuff that, you know, as far as different levels, it's, it, I feel like just the two options are you have your levels as far as events go and you have your levels as far as content goes. Like you start a band, you want to get shows, have some sort of recording, you know, do it yourself. Go to Rock and Roll Rentals. I have a studio and I'm like, do it yourself if you want to. Figure it out. Me- knowing what you're doing is so cool um, as yeah. far as what's what's going on with the recording. But if not, go to a studio. Uh, talk to somebody who has something going on where you're like, I don't have to pay you X thousand dollars for this record. We can do three songs for 400, 500 bucks. You'll, we'll get it mastered for whatever have you know start getting your your socializing down get your network down (laughs) find some homies who do graphic design find somebody who draws really well be like hey i think your drawing style is sick i want you to design our album cover we're going to put your name on it kick you whatever proceeds or however you want to do it um but you do it like that you eventually get to the point where you're like i gotta shell out some money to get a record the inspiration to do that is, you know, playing shows so you can have money. You got to play more shows. You want to play cooler places because usually cooler places pay more. You want yeah. fans to come and, you know, spend money on merch and spend money on on drinks. And you start to do that. You do the record. 
Um, hopefully by the time either before or right after the record comes out, you have some sort of merchandise. Um, you know, you need cards so you can just hand that stuff out. I'm a firm believer in download cards, have a card that is literally your business card. And on the back, there's a little, whatever it is, QR code or, uh, you know, I don't know, you can link it off, I think, and everything. It's just like, Hey, here's my song or here's the record. You can sell a CD for whatever, 10 bucks, 15 bucks. You have those download cards. You get like, you can get. I know the website we did, we ordered a hundred for whatever their price was, which was nothing. And then they're like, we're going to give you another hundred for free. <laughs> we literally have those. You're like, okay, I can sell these if I don't have anything like five bucks, whatever. Somebody's like, I got four bucks. I'm like, hell yeah, take one. Somebody yeah. important or somebody I think is cool. Here, have one. You literally have the record for free and you don't have to walk around with the CD. You do that. And after the record is, you know, you usually play out of town and do a music video. Yeah. And then from there, I didn't get successful enough to figure that part out. But I like (laughs) to believe by now I'd be, you know, shredding in Japan. I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, part of that's not your fault. The band broke up, but things happen. That's another story. (laughs) (laughs) So I know you said that you don't make money off music, but there are so many different ways that you can make money off music. And you teach lessons. I do. You help manage bands, which will eventually make you money. Yeah. You get paid to play as a guitar player in other people's bands. Like, that's a pretty diverse source. It's Yeah, and I mean, recently I've been more focused on the production side of things. And the uh, my favorite word during this, this last couple of months has been facilitator. Um, I always think facilitator of dreams, even though that's never what I would call myself. But it's like, <laughs> you know, you have somebody who is like, I can be upfront with you. I can tell you all the positive things to get you motivated. We can be real as fuck and, you know, we can hash things out. Um, but I believe in what you're doing. I think it's good enough to where I'm here to, I mean, you know, as far as working with bands, like it's, I, I don't even think it like I couldn't tell you percentages or anything of what I would want to make because there's so much excitement of like, holy shit, dude, I just got you booked here. And if it's your friends, you're like, I'm stoked for you. If you're booking for some random person, you're like, hey, we got this here. This is a huge venue with a bunch of people. I'm going to make money from this. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Yeah. I go to people's shows that I've booked and I buy a bunch of drinks. Yeah, that, that sounds bad. Um, I don't, you know, <laughs> I buy whatever three beers and it comes out to like $900. And <laughs> um, it's impossible. I mean, you know, the drinks be expensive. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like, for some reason, I, I feel like the less I care about it, the more things just, it's not the more money comes my way, the more things flow naturally and not only do things get done for the bands and the people that I wanted to get done for, but you just kind of, I feel like I end up with this, this flow of money whenever it's either needed or whenever something breaks in the studio or whatever it may be. And it's also in the sense that I don't, it's almost like bartering. It's like one of my favorite movies is Supermensch and it's about, Ah, dang it. I talk about this movie so much. Uh, It's about uh, the guy who managed Alice Cooper. And I think Jimi Hendrix told him he needed to be a manager. And he was just very much about, you know, having a connection with people and almost like a IOU system, but not morally askew. Just like, you know, you've done this for me and I 
you know, you kind of have to be a, a decent person to do this, but you know, you did this for me. And when the time comes where you need something, I'm like, holy shit, I want to help you just because what you did for me was great. Yeah. And, um, I just, um, I don't know that's, that's been resonating a lot with me, um, at the moment. And every time I think about all these people that I want to work with, it's like, I'm getting, I'm trying to think of the best words for it. it's, I'm getting nothing essentially, but I'm also getting like this IOU almost where it's almost like a, when something comes up and whenever something comes up, if you need assistance or want, you know, somebody's, you want a certain type of gear, you want X and X to play a show together. Um, they just line up. You're like, you know, who would be cool for this show? so-and-so that I booked or that I, you know, booked a show for a while ago or recorded a record for these guys would be cool. You hit them up. Oh, looks like they're on tour. Wait, they're swinging through Austin that day and they don't have a show. You know, that, that'd be a huge coincidence, but it's just like yeah. stuff like that. It just becomes like, I almost like it more because money, I know that I can just blow it on getting tasty food or, <laughs> um, you know, doing crazy shit. But which is great. And I, I very much feel that if you're going to spend money, spend it on experiences, not items, which is hard to say owning a studio. But um, <laughs> It's like, I like it. Cause I'm like, I can use this for anything, but not in the sense that I can use it for anything. I'm like, this could get used for anything. And I don't know what I'm going to need it for. Yeah. But I know when the time comes, it's going to fit perfectly. And it's going to not only it's weird. Cause with those things, it doesn't just like solve the issue that you have at hand, but usually it makes the connection and the, you know, the networking and the web a little deeper. Yeah. You know, so-and-so helps you get a base for your homie's show. Somebody you booked a show for because their base broke or whatever's going on. Now those guys know each other. Not only have you all, you know, you talk to both of the people, you know, but now they know each other Yeah, and odds are, you know, they check out each other's music. They become homies, la la la. Things continue. And so you're just trading leverage. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And in the same way, you're like, I'm just doing this because I want you to meet so-and-so because they're a cool motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> and all the situations change, but if you start to show up the right people, it just kind of goes like that. And it always comes back around. You know, definitely if you do negative things, shit's going to come back too. Um, and so that's why you kind of, you got to push for certain things. And at the same time, some things just work when you're on track you're on track and you're working hard you're believing in yourself and you're believing in everybody else shit starts to get done and that's kind of the boat i'm in right now i'm just you know there are a lot of things that could be stressed over but i just i'm checking off the things that are getting done setting up goals for what i need to do and making a list of people that i'm like i fucking believe in you and i want to get shit done and some of them i haven't talked to yet some of them i've barely been like hi i'm nate west you know I dug your set, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know who I want to work with entirely. Um, but that's why I'm kind of keeping, I don't want to say a loose network, but just meeting so many cool photographers, graphic designers, videographers, people that, you know, a lot of companies will be like, Oh, we have a in-house photographer. La la la. That's awesome. And so many photographers are great, but the fact is everybody has their own style and their own viewpoint. What if you come to us and, you're like, I want photos. And I'm like, cool. I got five different people. What style you want? Here, here are the <laughs> pictures. Here's a Dropbox. All five of their names. Click on one. There's, you know, X amount of different shoots of people, places, things. Yeah. 
that's so much easier. And, you know, personality wise, everybody that we work with, I'm like, come talk to me first before you do anything, because I want you to know that your you know, money is well spent and that your record is in good hands. Yeah. And that's how we get to know who we're working with, too, and be like, you're not a crazy motherfucker <laughs> or, you know, not in that sense. Um, Important details. Yeah, you got to you got to know what's going on when you go to a record, even if you're total strangers and somebody comes in for a day. You're like, yo, we're going to spend five minutes. Everybody, deepest, darkest fear, <laughs> most embarrassing moment. Go. <laughs> like, think about it. You go into a room, somebody says some shit that's crazy, and you're just like, I can't even think of anything that's more insane than that that could possibly go on where it's not awkward anymore. <laughs> yeah. You have done several years of playing shows and getting paid to play, whether you're a guitarist in someone else's band or you're in your own band. Mm-hmm. And some venues pay more than others. Mm-hmm. Some cities might pay more than others. What has been something that's been challenging with that, that either you want to make better or just you wish someone else would make better, I guess. It's, it, <laughs> I, I love these questions because everything that I was, you know, trying to think like, Oh, what's she going to ask me? Um, and with this, it's like so many things I'm like, it just goes back to like being a good person. So many venues, it's like people don't understand really the, the amount of time that goes into playing music. You know, all the people, you know, I'm not saying you can't go to a bar just to go have a drink, but it's like, you know, sometimes like you go to a bar and somebody's just like being loud as shit. And there's so many other places that they could be sitting at the bar, you know, not leaving the vicinity, just not sitting in that specific chair. And, you know, you're like, I don't think you understand that we've we're playing for three hours it's hard as shit we do it because we love it and because it makes us feel good we've practiced spent dear lord who knows how many fucking hours how you know people don't even get like when you look on stage how much money somebody's you know a whole band's uh setup is worth yeah gear is not cheap yeah for real and it's like (laughs) um so you know i've played a lot of a lot of shit shows. Uh, I'm happy I can't remember the name of the venue, but I know at one point I was supposed to start a new job the next day uh, working in a kitchen. I had to be in at 5 a.m. We went to play a show in Houston. We were going to come back because obviously I had to go to work. Um, we, we were supposed to play at 11. Not one of those. You go to Houston <laughs> for a eight. Or nine o'clock set. We're, you know, second to last. We played and, you know, stayed to see the last man. And then we're going to talk about getting paid. (coughs) And the guy who was supposed to do it told us, oh, the girl who does payouts quit yesterday. So is it okay if we send the money to you? I'm like, look. I'm sure you're a great dude. He didn't really seem like it, but I was like, I'm sure you're awesome. (laughs) You seem like a lovely gentleman. I believe you, but (laughs) I live three hours away from here. And I just, if you don't, I can't do that. And he was like, well, we just don't have the money. And I was like, I I don't know what to do. I mean, I was probably 18 or 19. And I was like, I'm not going to like fight you. I (laughs) um, ended up getting paid $20 total. For the whole band? $20 total. $20 bill. 
after you drove three hours to Houston to sent, play the show. Sent home. I got home 30 minutes before I had to leave to go to work. And I laid in bed for like 10 minutes. And I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, this is what I want to do. And so I... I guess for those of you who don't know me, I have one tattoo, and um, so often I think about whatever I get next is going to have the significance of reminding myself that this is what you want to do with your life, and you fucking love this, so don't ever half-ass it. Don't not believe in yourself, and always do shit that scares you as far as, you know, life, but also, you know, music, like whether it's singing or playing different music or whatever. Um, because so many times I'll forget that. And then every time before a show, I would close my eyes and I would turn around. So my back was to the state or back was like facing out and I would just kind of breathe. And I'm like, dude, this is what you want to do. This is what makes you happy. Don't space out too much during the show. So you can fucking enjoy what's going on. And I would even put notes on my puppet board or on my set list. It would just be like, dude, breathe or like have a good time whatever it was, like, smile, like, shit that I was like, I'm having a good time, but I'm so focused on, like, not fucking up or something that I was, um, needed to be reminded of that. So would you say in your experience it's hard to get paid for a show, or does it depend on the venue? You know, it's really not hard. I mean, I was, I was trying to think, I was like, well, and then I was like, no, it wasn't. I mean, there was we were getting paid, you know, whether, I don't know if, you know, 200, 300 bucks for a show. Easy. I mean, we would do that. And the way we did it was we put, you know, put it into a band fund that would go into printing more CDs, making more shirts or new shirts, stickers, uh, paying for websites and, uh, uh, EPKs and, you know, being able to record different places and travel and make all these shows. And it just, um, I don't know there's nothing wrong with, getting paid for working hard, but it's also like sometimes I was like, dude, it's going into prolonging this or, you know, continuing to do what I want to do. Yeah. She's like, cool. Money's going there. I got, you know, 30 bucks from tips or like we'd split part of it. I was like, cool. I'm going to fill up my gas tank so I can, you know, do whatever. And I've always had to the next show. (laughs) Yeah. I've always had other jobs. So it's not like that was my sole source of income, but, um, you know, it's not hard and you just, it's hard to get started and you got to present yourself well, you know, it's not mean you have to be super, you know, polite or anything. I've, I sent an email the other day that I was talking about one of our bands and it was a autofill generator, you know, it was like name, band name, expected occupancy or, you know, draw or whatever. And, um, at the, it really no place for information at the bottom. It said, anything else question mark and i put <laughs> three piece female fronted alt rock band from austin texas some say they rose from the ashes of a phoenix but that doesn't really matter because they rock hard and they love what they do and at the bottom i said see you soon <laughs> nothing of the i hope to hear back from you soon or anything i was like we will be playing your venue soon i will see you there you will see my band there they will shred, and we will have a great time. Um, did you get the show? I haven't checked my emails yet. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you did.
So it sounds like even if the money isn't going to you personally, I mean, at the end of the day, you do need to make something to be able to reinvest into the band. Yeah. Just and, to keep it going. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, bands where kind of one person, if they have the opportunity, can kind of, um, I forgot the name of the word is, but, you know, pretty much be the own investment in the band and be like, oh, I'll pay for this and this and this. And it's cool, but you, you know, it helps you get stuff done, but it's just, you know, you want that feeling of collectiveness because being in a band is being in a band and a collaborative effort, a friendship and like a relationship all in one and all like at the best and the worst times. And it's with like <laughs> three other people. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, it's kind of like, it's so rewarding and just a lot at the same time, you know, it's like, when shit goes down with the band, it's it's like your family, your friends, and your relationship all at once. You're like, man, I, you know, we interact, whether it's like, yo, we also work together. We, you know, we're dating. We were neighbors. We live together. Whatever it is, it's like that shit interplays with a bunch of different things. Yeah. And so, you know, somebody quits or something happens to somebody's family member, like whatever it is, it's like. Those are your, that is your family now. Yeah, definitely. So you're moving into being a manager. You've already produced my record, Gato's record. Am I missing anything? Um, I think that's it for now. Um, there are a lot of other things that have, I guess, been going on just as far as, um, a lot of buildup for the studio I'm about to move into a different place. It'll just be bigger and have, you know, space to um, accommodate bands fully as far as do live tracking and have, you know, enough space to do, you know, big eight piece shit, 13 piece bands, whatever, you know, whatever goes on. And eventually the idea would be to have a space where we can have just, you know, not solely live tracking, but, there's something, you know, everyone's like, there's something beautiful and like the mistakes and everything of just playing real and having the bleed between instruments. Um, I saw Frenchie a couple months ago and he, you know, just came up to me with some like random piece of advice. He's like, you know, a great way to get tambourine into your mix. I was like, I mean, yes, but what, what are you going to say? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he was like, you get somebody to go play tambourine right next to the hi-hat mic while you're tracking the drums. And I'm like, yeah, you can really, you know, you can only get that sound while it's going on together. And also, this is shout out to all the drummers out there. I don't think the drummer always needs to play the percussion instruments in the band because it's not just about rhythm. We all have rhythm if you play in a band. It's you, you're a different beast when you play percussion, like somebody to kill a shaker track or like kill a tambourine track. You can't just fucking sit there and like, you know, yeah, do it. You gotta be in it. You, what is it? Step brothers. You got to explore the space or no, the more cowbell skit. He's like, you really got to explore the studio space. Like you got to get after it. Triangle players. Hell yeah. It's not an easy job. <laughs> I was at Whitehorse seeing a country band and there was this triangle player just like center stage raging. And I don't know how to tell you how he was raging. <laughs> But he was just going off, and I was just like, I didn't know you could do that. Like, I thought <laughs> Triangle was silly, and now I think you're, like, the coolest dude ever. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah. if you had your, call it, you feel like you've made it. You know, you've had your 
success as a musician and you are happy living your life, dream come true or whatever, what would that look like? That's so like, I don't know all these questions now I'm trying to actually like think about them and not just give like, you know, some, some generic answer. And, um, it would, I mean, it's kind of what it looks like now which is so good to say. And there are only certain opportunities where you actually say that, but you know, I, I run a studio with my best friend, shout out to Ben. He hasn't been mentioned yet, but Ben Barron, um, engineered your record and engineered the Gaio record. Shout out to Gaio, Andrew, Sam, and Hayden. Um, the gospel according to Gaio is out now on Spotify, iTunes, Bandcamp, Apple Music, uh, wherever else it ends up. <laughs> um, but me and Ben are best friends. Ben's my best friend. I say that just because we spend all of our time together, not actually because we how we feel about each other. Um, no. <laughs> no, but, you know, we run the studio together. We write music together. Um, the guys in Gaio, we have been friends since before the record and these are some of the greatest dudes that I could possibly you know ask to be friends of mine and to be supportive of what I do and I guarantee if you had this interview with them they would be like holy shit Nate is so supportive (laughs) and like we care about what he does and I'm like dude I want y'all to do cool shit and I have the coolest coolest dog in the world Shout out to Stella. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I'm... Life's always moving and continuing and there's always different things going on and different people coming in and out of your life and you just kind of have to judge everything by what what day's going on and how everybody's feeling. But I don't know, just sitting here, I'm like, things are pretty sweet. I don't know, I'm going to have more guitars in the future, more mics, bigger recording studio. Maybe not work in a kitchen and just make all your money off a studio? I'm still going to always... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Really? No, I mean... What do you want? I mean, I want the classic, like... If I could have enough passive income from, you know, doing what I consider my job with this is believing in people and pushing for other people's, you know, shit to get get noticed and get done. Oh, my God. I would have more time to do that, (laughs) you know, to... You know, ultimately, it's like, I feel like the more hours I have to put towards something, the better it's going to be and the more just like continuous thought goes into it. And so, I mean, I'm going to continue to make my own music, continue to facilitate dreams, Um, continue, you know, just to, like I said, travel the world, um, be, uh, you know, I'm saying surround myself with all these cool motherfuckers. I kind of want to, you know, be a cool motherfucker myself. So, you know, travel. <laughs> Say you're well on your way. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I want to travel the world. I want to meet new people. In an earlier episode this season, I talked with Jeffrey Shulman about how artists can form cooperatives as a means of facilitating making records, distributing them, booking shows, or anything else a group of musicians may need help with. Nate's skilled at doing that very thing, 
and I look forward to watching him lift up other musicians and continue to share his own music in the years to come. So here's my parting question for you. Do you know one person in your community that you'd like to collaborate with? Awesome. Give them a call. Make a plan. Make some great art together.